0: You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. We are a local congregation in Lexington, Kentucky, and we would love to see you join God's restoring work of love in your life. You can find out more about us at restorationlex.com slash welcome. There's helpful links about how you can grow, how you can serve, and be good news in our city. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Good to see you guys back there. All the way back in the cheap seats. How are you back there? Woo woo. All right. I wanna welcome you to what is surprisingly our first ever Christmas Eve service. We've been a church for going on seven years this coming January, uh, but this is the first time we've ever been able to gather on Christmas Eve itself. And so I am really super grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with us here on this Sunday morning, and hope you come back and join us again. So we're in the final hours of this season we call Advent. If you're not familiar, if you didn't grow up in the church calendar, Advent is what leads up to Christmas. It's the season that doesn't begin with the bright lights and the bells and the whistles and the Costco. It begins with the darkness. It begins with longing. It begins with waiting for something hopeful to arrive. And our passage we just heard here today from Isaiah chapter 9, it begins in, and it speaks to this darkness. And I want to read there this first verse in our passage today. For us to hear loud and clear once again and then pray together. So, look with me here on the screen. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your coming. We thank you that this morning we can slow down, we can be present to the God who is already present to us. And so, Lord, whatever stories or situations we bring into a room like this as we gather, may you anchor us in your love, anchor us in the belief that you have made us, and have shaped us for wholeness. And may you speak that into us today you call us forward into the life that is life in Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Well, some of you uh, may know, this past month around Thanksgiving, uh, we came back from a family gathering in Richmond and opened up our front door, and the HVAC in our ceiling was looking pretty normal, other than the fact that there was a waterfall coming out of it pouring down through everything into our living room. We ran upstairs as fast as we could, and there was about two inches of water in our bedroom. It was coming out of, we believe, the supply line of the toilet, a little $7 piece, causing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of damage. And so we've been in the Middle East last month or so, working through the long process of working with insurance and kind of figuring out how and where we're going to live for the foreseeable future. And I just want to say at first that that it has been an incredible joy to be a pastor, but also a recipient of people's care and generosity in this season, man. It was a really difficult time, still is a difficult time, chaotic, overwhelming. We found a place to stay thanks to the kindness of friends. Um, But it was something where we're at right now that we haven't really been used to. The first place we got was uh, someone that my wife Erica contacted, and it was this this farmhouse way out Newtown Pike in the middle of nowhere. I'm, I'm, I'm city people, y'all. I, And so this was new for me. It's this little old farmhouse, and we're staying there. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, 2023 was already a difficult year for for our family. And so there's been moments within this process with our home being out of it and everything where I have been very discouraged. I have been exhausted. I've been overwhelmed. There have been moments that in every sense of the word this past year for me have felt like darkness. And I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where so many things are coming at you at the same time that you just feel like you don't know what to do with what's happening in you and you just need to break. And so I'm there at our tiny little farmhouse, and I walk outside into the darkness. And this is, mind you, out there. And so I walk out, and I'm walking through by these these horse farm fences, and it is not just dark. Like, it's, it's dark, dark. But I'm in that mood. I'm just exhausted, and I'm overwhelmed with all the stuff that's happening. And I'm crying out to God, and I'm saying, Lord, this is just... This is too much. This is more than I can handle. And I sit there, and just in a moment of stillness, I begin to look up. And what I see in that great darkness were stars and constellations that were exploding into view. Now, most of us are city dwellers, I would imagine, and we don't usually get to see what I saw that night. It was so bright. I'd never seen stars this bright before. And as the city boy that I am, I was completely oblivious to the fact that this was, this night, the peak of the Geminid meteor shower. And so every few minutes, the brightest of shooting stars were going across this sky. In that moment, as broken and as weary as I was, it felt so holy, right there in the dark. And a holy moment like that honestly only happened, it it could only happen in the dark. Every night, light pollution guarantees that only a small portion of that our sky that we see above us is, is visible. And if you're like me, you're mostly unaware on a nightly basis of what is passing through your sky. And it's not until you and I Find ourselves in the midst of real darkness that we can see what we've been missing all along. Now, think about that as we gather here on this Christmas Eve because we live in a world that is experiencing, even in our own stories, but on a bigger picture as we watch the news and see what's happening in our world, is experiencing a great deal of darkness, literally and figuratively. And we live at this very same time under an artificial sense of light. In 2001, there was a scientist by the name of James Bortle, and he invented this scaling system that was a measurement of how bright the night sky is. You can see here on the screen of how this measurement happens all the way from one, which I don't think probably any of us have spent a lot of time on one, and then the inner city sky in nine. Now, can you guess where Lexington is on this scale? You can talk, it's okay. We are, there you see the picture, we are at best seven all the way up to nine. For the most part, Lexington will never get the clearest picture of the sky because of the light pollution that we are encountering every way, every day that we look up. But it doesn't mean there's things that aren't there that are shining beautifully. And if we want to see what is there, if we want to see what shines so bright in the darkness, we have to see it best by stepping ourselves into the dark. I want to offer you today that the same is true for our faith. Oscar Romero once said that there are many things that only, can only be seen through eyes that have cried. How many of you know that well? I would add to Brother Oscar and say that there are many things about this faith that we share in Jesus, this faith that we profess in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, that can only really be seen and experienced and known when we have walked in darkness. There are places of peace an assurance that we will never come to experience unless we've come to the end of our rope. There are stories of healing that we will never really know unless we come to that place where we have been broken to the ground. I don't know about you, but to me, this is, especially in this moment, in this season, in this time, it's good news. The longer I've walked with Jesus, The more that I have learned that this light that we seek, this light that we celebrate and we look to in these moments, this light that we have come to know and describe in this season as the light of the world, it grows brighter when things get dark. And it's one of the things I find most comforting and most credible when we open up the scriptures like we have today. Scripture never asks us to explain away the darkness. Scripture never whitewashes and sanitizes what we see in the painful moments of our life. And I'm grateful for this specifically because this is, this is a dirty little secret of Christmas. I don't know if you know this or not. This is not really the most wonderful time of the year for almost anyone, right? What a crapshoot. That is the biggest lie. How many of you really are experiencing this last month The busyness of this season, the tension you feel with your family, all of this stuff as the most wonderful time of the year. No. The National Alliance on Mental Illness have found that the holiday season amplifies the emotional strain that we face. According to a survey that they took, 68% felt financially strained, 66% experienced loneliness, 63% said that they felt too much pressure right now. 57% said they felt the weight of unrealistic expectations. Amen. 55% found that they remembered happier times in the past compared to the present, and it made them feel bad. And 50% struggled because they were unable to be with the loved ones that they used to be with. One woman responded to this survey. I find this statement so profoundly moving. She says, the pressure to be joyful and social is tenfold. You feel that? Perhaps you can relate. Maybe you know what it's like to walk into a room like this, put on the mask, and pretend like you look and feel happy. Maybe you have been through a fight with your spouse, you're dealing with a diagnosis that no one knows about yet, with a broken relationship, and you have to walk in this room and you've been conditioned to believe that everything has to look fine. While you worry about how you're going to pay your bills and still go through Christmas, while you wrestle with loneliness and depression, while you struggle through the same shame of failing those who are around you most, if that's you, the Bible, the gospel itself is not asking you today to deny the dark it is asking you to name it. It is not asking you today to spiritualize away the pain that you feel. It is asking you to own it. What I would encourage you today in the midst of whatever darkness and struggle and suffering that is either known by those around you or is going painfully unknown is I would encourage you to have the courage today to name it, and to give it to Jesus. Fleming Rutledge writes about this. She says that Advent is designed to show that the meaning of Christmas is diminished to the vanishing point if we are not willing to take a fearless inventory of the darkness. So let me ask you today, will you have the courage to name the ache that you feel? Will you have the courage... To be present in a room like this today, where you are and as you are. The good news is that we can do this today, naming the darkness, not because we're a group of navel-gazing Christians that like to talk about how bad things are. We don't need any more of those. It's because of what the truth of the Scriptures say. John 1, 5 speaks this, that the light shines in darkness, but what? The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome it. The reason why you and I can be honest about where we're actually at in this season is that we know that there is one who stepped into the darkness that we have faced. The miracle that we look at this season in this incarnation moment is the celebration of God in flesh, not denying the reality of our humanity, but Jesus stepping into the fullness of what it means to be human, joy and pain, success and heartache. I love these words of Catholic activist Dorothy Day. She writes that the the incarnation means that for whatever reason God chose to let us fall into a condition of being limited, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death. He has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffering infinite pain all for us and thought it well worth his while. What I pray, what I pray, What I ache for you to know today is that Jesus willingly chose to step into your story. That Jesus willingly chose in the mess and the weariness and the hurt to not avoid what you feel but to enter into it. And maybe, maybe may I suggest today that the very place you will find Him, the very place He's waiting to meet you today, Place where you own the ache you feel. The light shines in darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. We gather here in this Christmas Eve to look to the light of the world. We look to this child in a manger. We look to the one who has been called Wonderful Counselor to mighty God to our everlasting Father, to our Prince of Peace. I love that Isaiah names these different, seemingly at times, contradictory terms for what Jesus would be, knowing that there are seasons in our story where I need Jesus to be a wonderful counselor because I don't know what to do. There are seasons in my story where I need Jesus to be a mighty God and to Act on my behalf in his power. There are seasons when I need Jesus to be everlasting father because I've lost a sense of what it means to belong and know my own name and know my own identity and I can look to him for who I am and whose I am. And there are seasons of chaos and confusion where we desperately need and learn to know Jesus as Prince of Peace shalom and wholeness. And we as his people, as his church gather, what we do here today is gather to hold up this light of the world. We gather to use the words of Eugene Peterson this morning to push back on the darkness. What we do is we stand and sing these songs that we've sang perhaps years and years before, is not just sing happy carols to make us feel better. We are singing revolution songs to push back on the darkness that we face in this world, believing that the same Jesus in the manger is the same Jesus who says in Revelation 21, I am making everything new, that darkness is here and is present, but darkness days are numbered. And we lift up that light, we push back on the darkness, we lift up our hands and our voices and our stories and our brokenness and our aches this morning to the one who entered into it with us. So Jesus, we are not satisfied with another happy service where we walk away moving on to the rest of our lives and our days, we want to be present to the God who is already present to us. Lord, I know that there are people in this room who have walked in here barely holding it together. May you meet them right there. Not where everything's all better, not where everything is good and happy, but meet them in the mess. Meet them in the weariness. Jesus says we take these elements today, remembering your sacrifice for us. We remember in fullness that you have come. You are present with us and for us. May we meet you here in Jesus' name. Amen. We're celebrating communion today. If you don't know we take these elements on a weekly basis just as a visible tangible reminder of what God has done on our behalf we have some on the table back here there's some up here on the table as well we take these elements as a remembrance of what God has done for us in the cross namely that by his blood that he shed for us he has reconciled us to the father And by his body broken for us, he has reconciled us to one another. This is the strange, misfit miracle that we call the church, that God has united a group of very, very different, diverse people into one big, beautiful, messy family. So we take these elements today. You don't have to, but we encourage you to do that as we respond.